All right, we are going to have a reading from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. Verse 30, So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And now we'll skip down to verse 53. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward and opens your word, bless the delivery of the message that you have from you through Randy to our hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. And uh, we do have a handful of folks here. Thank you for coming out and being a part of things today. Thank you for sharing uh, this time. Folks, we've been experimenting with some brand new technology that allows us uh, to kind of stream these things to you. But it's also enabled us to be able to see you where you are. So, I can see some of you sitting in front of your computer, and I cannot believe that you showed up to church wearing that. You should be ashamed of yourself. What were you thinking? You came to worship God wearing... No, I'm kidding, of course, obviously. Seriously, it is great to have so many of you online today, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to share a Sunday morning celebration with you wherever you are. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing because I normally kind of go from spot to spot and uh, person, you know, groups of people here, there, there, and et cetera. And about two weeks ago, Eric told me, he said, you need to look in the camera occasionally. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, you know, cross that third rail. It just wouldn't be right. And he said, no. He said, you have about a whole nother section of people that watch online every single week. And uh, so it's an interesting thought. I know that today there will be many more that are actually at home, and it's going to be difficult for me to just look in the cameras and that kind of thing, but if you'll bear with me, it's just something new for me and probably something new for most of you, but uh, praise God that we have technology. I know that there are literally uh, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of churches that have canceled their uh, gatherings just to make sure that we're doing the very best that we can as best we know. And, um, you know, making sure that we're not spreading any, any way the disease that, you know, we don't really know the details of, we don't really know the extent of, we don't know the severity of it. We know what we've seen for the last month or so. 
As best I can tell uh, from what I've read, this coronavirus has been something that's been in existence for a while, but it's just now starting to come into the human population. And so it's a pretty crazy thing going on. And I don't know if you guys have had this opportunity like I have to just stop for a minute and kind of think about what you were doing last Sunday and how different the world feels today, literally just seven days later. Last Tuesday, I actually had my daughter who uh, is up in Michigan, my oldest daughter, Tori, who's going to school up in Michigan, was down here. We went to the rodeo on Tuesday. And so, of course, I ate a funnel cake and uh, everything else that was possibly fried, you know, and just enjoyed the rodeo as it's supposed to be enjoyed, right? Mainly through your mouth. Amen? Right? So there you go. So here's the truth. Last Tuesday, we showed up. We were looking around, just enjoying ourselves, going all over the rodeo. And then the next day, my wife sends me a text, and it's like one of those pictures that's kind of been shrunk down on my telephone. And so I look at it and I say, it says, Houston Livestock Rodeo Show has been canceled for the year. And I I literally texted my wife back and I said, you might need to double check that. That sounds like a little fake news to me. I was like, where did that source come from? She goes, expand the picture. You'll see that it's from click2houston.com, which is Channel 2 Houston. And so I was just like, oh man, I guess it's not fake news. I guess it's real. I could barely imagine what has happened in the last four or five days happening on that Tuesday that we're going around and just having a great time in this huge crowd. And suddenly that seems so crazy and seems so strange to do something like that. Well, I, I, I know this. I hate planning a message series and having it all laid out like today. Who do you think I am is what I'm going to be preaching about. And I always think to myself, it'd be very easy to hit the pause button and change everything around and kind of say, well, I'm going to talk about this or I'm going to talk about that. You know, this is the pressing need of the day. I mean, this has been coming for literally for weeks in my mind. But the more I thought about it and the more that I just kind of went deeper, I thought to myself, I do not want to change God knew what I was going to be preaching, and he knew that the coronavirus was going to make its burst onto the scene, and uh, it was not something that I knew making these plans, but God knew. And the more that I thought about it, the more that I considered what I was going to be preaching, I thought it was so perfect to be able to share some of the things that have been in the works for literally weeks with this thing as it intersects with what's going on in our world. I'm going to be talking today about... I am the bread of life, and I want to talk a little bit about what that means in our world. But let me just kind of go to these next few slides. You know that the coronavirus has changed everything, and I am going to talk about that. I am going to talk about how that intersects with the message title and the message that Jesus gave when he said, I am the bread of life. But just know that we're going through and we're talking about the seven I am statements that are in the scriptures, specifically in the book of John. And they are, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be tackling all of these uh, subjects and all of these I am statements that Jesus spoke to those that would listen. This actually goes all the way back, and we'll do a little bit of a review from last week as we talked about Exodus chapter 3, where Moses was walking through the desert and God spoke to him out of the burning bush. And in the process of all that he said, he said, I am who I am is sending you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, you'll see it up here on the screen in just a moment. Exodus chapter 3, 13 and 14 has those things right there. I am who I am. This is um, something that we need to understand about the name of God. The name of God was something that was considered so holy and so sacred that it literally was not able to be spoken off of the temple grounds. That's how holy and how serious they took the name of God. They call it the tetra, uh, I, I can never quite say it 
quite right, but it is um, something that had no consonants and four, pardon me, no vowels and four consonants. It's pronounced Yahweh. The tetragrammaton is how you pronounce that. And it is basically the personal name of God. And so he is speaking to Moses and introducing himself with his very own name. And so as Moses leaves there, he understands how important and how transcendent God is. And let me just say very quickly, I want us to look at a couple of passages of Scripture that are going to be up here on the screen. And as you look at these different passages of Scripture, you see how Jesus takes the the eternal nature of God and makes it known to us in a way that we can understand and comprehend. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Colossians chapter 1 says. It says, The Son, the Son of God, that capital S, the Son of God, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And in that passage that I alluded to earlier, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I want you to grasp what the I am who I am, or, you know, is kind of conveying. We don't talk about God loving We talk about God is love. Nothing changes year to year, decade to decade. He doesn't fall in and out of love. He is love. He always has been. He always will be. He is love and it never changes. So this is the nature of who God is. And when Jesus speaks these words and says, I am the bread of life that was come down from heaven to be given to you as a sacrifice. And when he says those strange words of he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, and I'm sure the people were like, what? What are we talking about here? He was connecting himself, his eternal nature, with the Passover that they had been celebrating literally for millennia by that point. And so as we look at what Jesus was saying, he declares himself the bread of life. And this is something for us to learn. He declares himself the bread of life, and in doing so, he places himself at the very center of everything that sustained Jewish people. We're going to talk more and go a little deeper on that, but just know this was a huge and radical shift. It's a whole 180 from where the Jews believed they understood the Passover. It was all about a lamb. It was all about coming out of Egypt. It was all about, you know, this unleavened bread. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. All of that was just designed to point you to me and here this is the fulfillment I am the bread of life now before we go much further I want to talk about what that means here in just a moment in considering all the things that we're dealing with so hang with me this is something that will definitely and understandably apply to your life but let's just go back and let's look when Jesus said these things they didn't miss it Like when he was speaking to the people that were listening in that very first time that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 30 and 30 through 32 tell us exactly what those around him said in response to it. They said this, what sign are you going to give that we can see and believe you? What are you going to do? Because our ancestors ate manna in the desert and the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, it's not Moses that gave you bread to eat, but my heavenly Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. And so you can hear it. They're asking, and immediately he says, I am the bread of life. And they connect that with manna from God. You guys understand? And so when they do that, they're tracking right along with Jesus. And they're like, we're not sure we believe. What are you going to show us to show us that this is true? Now, Let's hit pause real quick and let's rewind because if you've read the entirety of John chapter 6, you know that all of this takes place right after Jesus provides with the five loaves and two small fish food for 5,000 men plus women and children. And so if you stop and think about this for a second, they've already seen a miraculous provision on par with what manna from heaven looked like. They've already seen it. And in some small way, this gives us a glimpse into human nature. Here's what I mean. You did it once, but now do it again for my benefit. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? You understand what they're trying to say? They're saying, we saw you do it yesterday, but can you do it again and again and again and again? And if we do follow you, are you going to meet all of our physical needs? 
Now, let's hit pause for just a second and understand that this is not new. There are still people who follow Christ, not because he is Lord, but because they think if they do, they've punched the right buttons and inserted the right code and said the right words to make God do their bidding and make it profitable for them. Now, I'm here to tell you that God blesses in so many ways. And God has blessed me financially. He's blessed me relationally. He's blessed me physically. I mean, the list is long and I could go on and on. It's not about me, but you could probably do the same as I do. Here's what we do know, that God's blessings are not the reason that I'm supposed to follow him. I'm supposed to follow him because he's God, because I need a savior and you do too. And so if we follow him because of what he gives us, we remain on this spiritually immature level. We leave our whole entire life on what is it in, what's in it for me, what can you do for me to make it worth my while. And I'm here to tell you that if that's what you believe about God, you've missed who God is. Because we can even go back to where God spoke to Moses and he said, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I'm not going to be changed by whether or not you accept me or not. I'm just going to exist. I'm going to be God. I've been God since before time even began. I'm not going to change that even if you can adapt to it. And in our modern world, don't forget, in our modern world, there are a lot of things that are kind of telling you in the back of your head and in the, in the kind of far off distance that you're barely hearing that you get to choose who God is. And I'm here to tell you, you can choose the God that you want to serve, but you can't define God himself because he's already done that. And as a matter of fact, Jesus, in the continuing revelation of who God's character looks like and what he does, he says, as a matter of fact, that whole thing that you've been celebrating for millennia now called the Passover, I'm here to show you what it's about. You have to embrace the broken body. You have to use the blood of me off of this cross, not the blood of a lamb, to wash away your sins, but this time it will be permanent. I am going to provide the salvation and the Savior that you did not have before. So today, understand, I am the bread of life. If you will embrace me and consume me for who I am, then I will consume you back and we will spend forever together. So this is important for us. And don't, let, let's, don't miss this. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. We still think this way. We still think this way when it comes to bread. Let's break bread together. What does that mean? It means we're going to sit down, we're going to visit together, and you say, hey, man, I'm famished. Give us this day our daily bread. Or what about, man, things are stripped down. I've got to get by on bread and water alone, right? I mean, we understand the fundamentalness, if that's even a word. No, probably not. But we understand the fundamentalness of what bread is. It's the very basis. It's the, it's the cornerstone of our diet in many ways. Now, I know some of y'all are on low carbs. That's why you're cranky all the time. I get it, all right? But here's what I'm going to tell you. For some of you, you understand what a beautiful thing bread is, right? And especially if you've deprived yourself for a while, you're probably ready to have a good, nice... Uh, okay, I'm not going to be doing the temptation thing because if you're staying clear of the carbs, I get it. Good for you. But... You've heard it said, that's your bread and butter. This is our daily bread. You know, on and on, we're going to break bread. Bread is fundamental to who we are. And when Jesus speaks and says, I am the bread of life, he is touching the Jews in the most sacred places of their heart, as well as the most normal and everyday places in their heart. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I'll meet your spiritual needs, but I'm going to meet your physical needs as well. And you can probably see how this applies so beautifully to what we're dealing with and going through. And I want to talk a little bit about that kind of moving in that direction. Here's the big idea. Jesus is our source. He is not just a resource. Jesus is our source, not just a resource. And, and I say this a lot of the time, so it's something that probably you have heard but this is a perfect opportunity to remind you of the importance of who Jesus is and should be in your life. Here's what I mean. How, is a, what, how do you define a source versus a resource? Now, 
I don't know, some of you may be fully dressed. I really actually can't tell. But if you know me, you know that I've got a watch on. Sometimes I wear a watch and it doesn't always even work, which I know that some of you have some sort of smart aleck comment about how long I preach right now. Shame on you. Be nice. All right. But I always wear a watch. I've always loved watches. But have you ever had this experience where you leave a watch at home and you're like, oh man, all day long, I'm probably going to look at my wrist 10 times and go, ah, oh, nothing, you know, nothing's there and be reminded that you left it at home. But you probably leave a wristwatch at home. But if you in, instead lose one of these, you're turning around and going home. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, you can leave and go without a wristwatch because it's a resource that you like or maybe a piece of jewelry that you like. But this is how everyone gets a hold of you, how you find out things, how some of you get to work. You still don't know your own directions. You've been going there for five years. I can't figure that out. But this is how you get to work. It's the directions. It's the email. It is everything. It's the contacts. It's the texting. It's all of this. This is your source. And this is a resource. And by the way, if you didn't know this, these for the younger group, which I no longer belong to, are doing pretty significant damages to the wristwatch industry because people don't carry or wear wristwatches because they carry their phones and they can tell what time it is every time. And so here's what we would say. In this situation, one is a source and one is a resource. Your source is like your phone, the thing that you turn around and go back for, the thing that you cannot do without, the thing that you cannot live without. But then another is just something that's kind of like an extra thing that's thrown in and thrown on, which is nice if you've got it, but it's not vital. And you understand the difference. So here is the thing that I want to convey to you. And here is where we shift into the concept of what's going on in our world today. Obviously, you know and you've probably even seen the pictures of the coronavirus and how, you know, they've got this little thing and it, and it kind of even almost strikes fear into your heart just looking at that. And I understand. I, I get that. I, I want to talk actually in just a moment about some very, very real numbers so that you are not a person who's worried about things that maybe have been blown out of proportion. But I do want to just kind of be very, very clear. I am very cautious about saying this is what God is and isn't doing. I don't think that that's my job. I don't think that it's my job to declare that I know what God is and isn't doing. But here's what I do know. I feel different about a whole lot of things in my life today than I did five days ago. I feel different about them. And I've been reminded that the things that I thought were solid are probably not nearly as solid as they used to be even just four or five days ago. And it's also shook me a little bit to be reminded that those things that I thought were really, really important, that they be solid and stay solid, I've been reminded that I can live without them. I can live without those things that have come to define my life. Now, I don't know exactly what God is and isn't doing by allowing this coronavirus to be something that has gotten the whole world's attention. But I will say this, I will say that we've been reminded for, <laughs> for the entirety of the world, it's been a reality check that when we want to pretend that we're in control, we are not. We're not in control. We think we are and we hold it together for a good long time and then something like Hurricane Harvey happens and we realize, hold on, I don't care how big a sandbag I can get, I can't keep the water back. Or when we have these kinds of situations where we say, oh my goodness, I don't know what is going on. What's floating out there? I got to barricade myself in or I'm going to be touched by this thing. It puts us back to the perspective of this world, A, is not our home, but B, it is not nearly as important to pursue a lot of the things that we pursue. And when Jesus speaks about being the bread of life, he reminds us that he is essential. He is our source. He's not just a resource that happens to make everything else look good and flow a little bit better. He is the cornerstone of who we are and who we are supposed to be. If it's not like that, 
We've got it twisted around and switched up and our life is out of priority uh, in correct order. And so we've got to be very careful that we understand when Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life, it is so important. He's putting us right on notice that it is so vital that he is at the very center of our lives and not us. And very, very quickly, I want to talk about something that you may or may not be aware of. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Like I said a little earlier in the stream, there are a lot of people that no doubt are all the way on one side and a lot of people that are all the way on the other side. I want to talk about some real numbers and some real things going on out there and just make sure that the coronavirus is very clear to you and to me. Now, in the coronavirus by the numbers, there have been 200 or 2,085 cases in the United States, and there's been 60 deaths by that. Now, that may sound like a lot, but let's be very clear. The United States has a population of about 330 million people. And so let's be very clear about that. There have been about 80,000 and 844 cases in China, and there's been roughly about 3,199 deaths. Now, these are all numbers from March 14th via CNN.com. And I'm sharing this not to say that it's not important that we take precautions. I'm not trying to say, look at this, this is stupid. We're doing crazy things. We need to stop it. I'm not saying that because the truth is, is that I don't know what an epidemic looks like. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what it acts and reacts like. I'm not a guy who works at the CDC. But let's be very clear. These numbers will change and probably go up. I don't think there's any doubt that they will. But just know that even if you are a person who contracts the virus which is already on the very low end of the scale, even if that did happen, you have a less than 3% chance of dying at the present moment from that virus. And then there are people there in China who actually contracted the the virus and they passed. There were about 4% of those people that contracted the virus that died. Now, I'm sharing these numbers with you for this reason and this reason alone. You and I are not called to live in fear. And sometimes the things that we constantly take in show us that we've got to be afraid. We don't know how to handle this. We don't know what to do. This is all brand new territory. And some of those things are true and some of them are not. Because the truth of the matter is, is that in this setting where Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life, let's be very clear on exactly what had happened before. The little boy with the lunch that was just enough for him gave it to God, God took it in his hands, and it became enough for 5,000 men plus women and children. And so let's be very, very clear. You and I don't have the final say. God has the final say. We don't need to be worried and scared to death. We need to be smart. We need to take precautions. Even today, look, uh, those of you who are here and there's a handful of you that are here, man, give each other fist bumps. High fives, you know, is probably even too much, all right? So just give each other fist bumps or give each other knucks or elbows or whatever. Let's steer clear and be wise. But I'm not going to go home and go, okay, barricade the walls. Let's do this vacuum chamber here to make sure I'm good. No, no, I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to use that stuff. And by the way, I hope all of you guys have toilet paper. Can I get an amen? Right? Like what happened with, why did toilet paper become the price of gold all of a sudden? I don't understand that. Well, anyway, that's a whole nother issue. I'm not going to go there. But here is something that has spoken to me and something that I have heard. And I want to share it with you, something that one of you guys shared with me. Let me just go back a little ways. Um, Max Lucado wrote a book a few years back called The Numbers of Love. It was John 3.16, and he spoke about John 3.16. One of the things that he wrote about was that anytime you see the, the number 316 together, 316, take it as God's way of saying, I love you, which I thought was pretty great. And so now these days, if I'm looking at a clock and it says 316, I believe that that is just a small reminder of God's love. I'm not saying that God is speaking to me and saying, oh, it's it's 316. I need to get down there and tell Randy I love him. It's not like that. I mean, he's God. He can handle a whole lot more than that. But even if it were, it's not that. It's just a reminder that God is with me. But can I tell you something that happened to me this week? 
I know that none of y'all have ever felt sorry for yourself, but y'all pray for your pastor because I'm still human, all right? So here's what happened. I was thinking about some things and I was thinking about some frustrations in dealings and I was just sitting there thinking, you know, nobody loves me the way that they should, you know? I mean, they just don't love me the way that they should. And I was thinking of all these folks that I thought had these things against me, which truth be told later, I realized was not actually true, which is also a whole nother sermon in and of itself. But here is what I realized. I was driving along in my neighborhood and I thought, you know what, man, I, I just don't feel like people love me and, and care about me. And I do love people, but I'm not sure that they feel the same about me. I, I think that I'm like the guy that, you know, you put up with, but not love. And I don't know, none of y'all have ever had those experiences. None of y'all at home, none of y'all here. But it was so interesting that the moment that that thought kind of you know how sometimes a thought will just breeze through and it hits you. It's not something you linger on, but it breezes through. And I, how do I feel about that? And then I turned and looked because I was driving in my neighborhood. And what does the clock say on it? It says the time of 316. And I literally laughed out loud. And I said, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I've gotten off somewhere. Like, I am loved because God loves me. So here is the concept. For some of you, you're worried to death about the COVID-19 and coronavirus-19 and all that stuff. The, the things that Eric read earlier from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, were done on purpose. And I would just encourage you that every time you see COVID-19 and you feel your heart begin to sink and you get this feeling of being worried and nervous and scared and feeling like everything is out of your control and God isn't even here in the midst of this thing, I would encourage you to remember and quote Joshua chapter 1, verse 19, which reminds us, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you may go. So when you see that COVID-19, be reminded that God is always with you and that you and I are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and sound mind, which is kind of the numbers that I shared with you, being sound in your mind. It's not every person that you meet out there that's infected with this virus. It's not everywhere. Be wise, but don't be frightened and terrified in the midst of it all. All right, so very, very quickly, I know that my time is moving fairly rapidly, so let me just keep going. This is saying, whenever he's speaking these words of, I am the bread of life, here's the first thing that Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he came to meet eternal needs first and foremost. He came to meet eternal needs first and foremost. So let me be very, very clear. I've already spoken a little bit about this, so I won't linger long. But for you and for me, God is in much, much more interested in making us holy than he is in making us happy. For most of us, we are more concerned about being happy than we are about being holy. God has it all the way backwards in the other direction. So you don't get twisted around. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he is saying, I gave you bread for your stomach yesterday. But here today, I am declaring that you already know the reason you're here at my front door today is to make sure that I meet that same need again. I'm here to tell you that for all of us, we are constantly seeking for something to distract us, to divert us, and to make us feel full, and yet there is nothing in this world that satisfies outside of Jesus Christ. He alone brings fullness and wholeness to your life. And if you don't have that clear in your mind, you're not on the same page with him. He is more concerned with what's happening in the eternal than he is in the here and now. If you're not, you're not on the same page with the one who came to save you and the one who has a pattern of life for you to follow. Let's very quickly, what does that saying mean? 
Here's what it means. It means that we must learn to trust God's provision for our daily needs, both for our physical and our spiritual. And I want to be very clear about something. God has promised that he will meet our needs every day. The problem for most of us is not that we fear what's happening today. We fear what's happening tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And all of that weight gets on our shoulders and crushes us down. That's why when Jesus spoke to his disciples and taught them how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. He is here to meet your need today. You and I are worried half sick about what's happening in a week or a month or a year or five or 10 or 20 years or retirement age, which for some of you is a lot further away than it is for me. These things worry us to death and God has got it. He's not worried about these things. He is going to provide your daily needs. Don't ever forget it. So very quickly, it also means something else. Let's, let's, go, let's go to John chapter 6, verse 26 and 32, two different times. And it's Jesus saying some very similar things. Um, I think on the stream, I'm pointing to it now. Uh, but here in, the, in uh, the sanctuary, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. In other words, I'm not confused about this. I want to make sure you're not confused about this. You're following me because you got a free lunch. That's why you're pursuing me. Not because you think I'm the son of God, but because you ate food yesterday that you didn't have to pay for. And it was amazing. And now you're wondering, is there still a free lunch to be had? And just be very clear, it, it, back in the King James Version, it was verily, verily, I say unto thee. That's what my dad used to read from the King James Version. But this is a perfect thing. Jesus says, truly, truly. He says, verily, I say to you, or very truly. It's all different new modern translations of Jesus saying, you could get this really confused, but be careful that you don't. In modern vernacular, it might be, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted around. Make sure you understand. Check this out. See this. Don't miss this. Very truly, I tell you, means all of those kinds of things. And Jesus says to them, very truly, it's not Moses that has given you bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. And can we just go back to the virus real quick? I thank God for the people that are doing everything that they possibly can for our world and our country but ultimately, I don't believe in our government to keep me safe. I don't even believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. He is the one who keeps me safe. He is the one who has promised that he would keep me safe. Now, I'm not in any way downgrading all of those things, but those are people helping a person. He is God and he will provide for all of my needs. Everyone. So don't. Get it messed up. Don't get it backwards. It could be easy to get it confused, but don't let it. It's not Moses, the person who gave you something that actually provided. It was God who provided. Don't get it backwards. So that's what Jesus is saying. Now, very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about John, what Jesus is saying. This second thing, very quickly, let's talk about this. Let's go to this next slide, if you don't mind. Um, the second thing that I want to make sure that we hear that Jesus is saying. Go ahead and click to the next slide. Um, what Jesus is saying, this second thing, is that bread, um, that he is something that is in every part of our lives. So he is all about us. And let's go to something that I think is one of the best inventions everywhere. It is a taco salad shell. How many of you guys love this right here? I mean, this is awesome. You know why this is so awesome? I'll tell you why this is so awesome. First of all, this picture is screwed up because they put a plate on a plate. And then they, you know, like the whole beauty of a taco shell is 
that you can eat the bowl that it came in so you don't even have to do dishes, you know? Like, so it's food and a utensil. It's amazing. This is like one of the best inventions ever, right? So this is an incredible invention. It's the taco shell with a salad inside. How many of you ever had clam chowder in a bread bowl, right? I mean, oh, it's awesome. It's a bowl and part of the meal at the same time. Oh, mind blown, right? Here's what Jesus is saying to the people that understand. And let's be very clear. We sometimes think of Jesus in the way that we've seen him portrayed in the Last Supper painting by Da Vinci, that he's sitting at this table and they've all got, you know, bread and the bread is this tall, you know, unleavened bread that's this tall. Let you do the math. But here's what we know. This is not what reality was. The reality was, was that Jesus was reclining at the table and he tore off pieces of bread and he would dip that bread and he would hand it to them, probably in an oil and vinegar mixture, probably something like a balsamic vinegar. And he would dip that and he would say, this is for you. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he'd take another piece and he'd dip it and he'd hand it to another person. And so he was giving them the utensil and the meal at the same time. Because back then, they didn't have forks and knives and plates like they showed at the Last Supper. No, they didn't have that. And so a lot of the time, what you would actually have is you would tear off a piece of like a pita bread or something. And let's be very clear what kind of bread that looked like. You can check it out. That is an oven that was redone in a biblical way. And you can see the bread is on the side of the oven. And so look at the next one. This is an image of what bread probably looked like in Jesus' day. So as he tore those pieces, they would take that and they would use it to be kind of the thing that would bring food into their mouth because they didn't have spoons and forks and knives. You guys understand? So how does that apply to what we're talking about today? What does that mean when we talk about being the bread of life? Here's what it means. It means our relationship with Christ should touch every part of our lives, not just the spiritual stuff. You guys understand? If it just touches the spiritual stuff, he's not source, he's resource. If you just pull God in when you can't handle business on your own, he's not source, he's resource. Let's be very clear. God wants his son Jesus to touch every part of your life, every part. Just like the bread that he would tear and use as a utensil and as the thing that he's providing sustenance with. This is what we're talking about. This is how Jesus was the bread. And this is how they understood it as Jews. They grasped what he was saying. It touches everything. And now let's just say very quickly, I want to share something with you. And I want to make sure you understand. When Jesus is supposed to be touching every part and piece of our lives, if he does not, just understand that you haven't changed him, but you have been changed. Here's what I mean by that. I want to read a historian's quote of a man who gave an idea of what was going on in the Roman culture in that day. His name was Pliny the Elder. He died in 79 AD, about 40 years after Jesus died, roughly. But if you look at what he wrote, here's what he said. The Romans will try anything for a new thrill. Romans are appallingly rich and appallingly hungry. (laughs) Isn't it funny how human nature hasn't even really changed? The truth of the matter is, is that People are appallingly rich in our world, and yet, no matter what they buy, no matter what they purchase, no matter what they try, no matter what they divert themselves with, they still walk away hungry. The reason is, is that they have tried their very best to take temporal things and make them fit in the eternal box. And they've taken the eternal box stuff and put it outside and said, it's not really that important anymore. The truth of the matter is, is that when Jesus says, I am your source, I am touching every element and piece of your life. That's how I change you from the inside out. If we do not let that happen, then we are people who are keeping God's son at arm's length. When he said, I am the bread of life, this is what he's talking about. I'm here to change every piece about your life. And back then, 
Just like the little boy who showed up with the lunch, five loaves, two fish, lots of bread, tiny bit of meat. That's how it was in Jesus's day. And for us, that is what he's saying when he says, I am the bread of life. I'm supposed to be at every meal. I'm supposed to be in every part. You should look on your plate and always see that bread as the utensil, as the thing that brings you fullness and wholeness and goodness here. This is truth for us. What Jesus was warning us against. Don't think that the things that make you full are things. It is instead a relationship with me and me alone, which brings wholeness. That's why, just like with the woman at the well, he said, you're going to come back and need something to drink tomorrow, but I'll give you living water that quenches your thirst from this day forward. And here in this situation, the Jews are like, we don't understand. He's saying, if you will make me a fundamental part of your everyday life, then you will experience wholeness and fullness that you've never experienced before, but you've got to make me a part of your life. Here's how you apply this message. Very quickly, here's how you apply. You trust Jesus to provide all of your needs. And I wrote down to circle the area where you feel it most. And here's what I would say to you. For most of us, we feel physical. Oh, you know, yeah, I need this need to get filled in this way. Or we think about it in the spiritual. Maybe think about uh, our emotions, our thoughts, our fears, our concerns, whatever it might be. Probably today you have one of these that is speaking to you a little louder than before. But here is what I would challenge you with. I bet you in your life, in your past, You have had a physical need that God has met out of nowhere. He has reached to you and provided something for you physically that you didn't know. Maybe it was money in a really, really tough financial time. Maybe he helped you with a relationship out of nowhere that you desperately needed at that time. Maybe he helped you when you were dealing with health concerns and struggles that you couldn't get past and God intervened. Or maybe you've been a person who had a lot going on in your own heart and spiritually you were struggling. I don't know what it was, but here's what I do know. In the physical or the spiritual, he has probably found you at some very specific times when no one else could find you. But here's what I'm asking. If Jesus says to you and those who are around him at that time, he says to all of us and says, listen, I'm the bread which God gives from heaven. I am the bread of life. I'm gonna meet your physical hunger, but I'm also gonna meet your spiritual need at the very core of who you are. If that is something that you can trust him with, can I just submit to you that you can trust him with the other? If you've been somebody who's had your physical needs met, but you're not sure about your spiritual needs, your fears, your concerns, your worries, I'm here to tell you that God can meet those needs just as surely and clearly as he's met your physical needs. And if you've ever had those spiritual needs met, but you don't necessarily know for sure if you can trust him for the physical, I'm here to tell you as just a person that's seen it in my life so much, the truth is, is that physical or spiritual needs, God has always met my need. And I come back to that passage of scripture so often that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through who? The bread of life, Christ Jesus. Very quickly, I just want to talk about two different folks real quickly that have dealt with the coronavirus. One is a church in Wuhan, China, And this is a picture of the story. A Wuhan church finds God's grace amid the coronavirus scare. It's so interesting to me to read this quick little article. Uh, You kind of have seen, I did a screenshot there. It's dated on the 1st of March. When they began thinking about the coronavirus and there were people that were very worried about it, it was very interesting because the church started talking about being you know, the people that wanted to be proactive and, and see them, um, you know, reaching out and praying for folks and praying that God would heal and intervene. And they began to pray. And initially the government was like, don't, no, don't do that. We don't want that to happen. We don't believe in your God. You know, the totalitarian government of China wanted to keep that down. And the worse and the worse and the worse it got, guess what they did? They came back and they said, no, no. 
you can pray for us. Please pray for us. And isn't that true in our life? That sometimes we think how much we've got it under control and how we want to keep God at distance. But then when we are set back and struggling with things that we cannot fix on our own, we pull them in close. The beautiful thing about this story is, is that there are not just the government, but also other people are coming and saying, how is it that you have peace in the midst of this craziness that's going on? And God's people are able to declare that I have peace because God is in control. And not only is he out there as a resource for you, he is my source in here. And then finally, I want to just share something with you, a, a thing that I just was kind of looking for. Where is God in the coronavirus? I Google searched a couple things. And this is something that you see. Jeannie Hoplin on the coronavirus scare. I'm living proof that God answers prayer. This is a TV, um, a, a TV website uh, in Johnson City, Tennessee. And let me just be very clear. You can see that's a video that you kind of see there. Let's click to the next slide. That lady is not young. She's the one who is at the highest risk for the coronavirus doing the most damage, right? I mean, because as you get a little more elevated in age and things like that, you're at greater risk, we understand. But this woman has declared, I am cured and I have been declared virus free. And I want to just say that it is an example of God answering prayer. Can I just say something? I don't know where you are in your life right now. I have a feeling that a lot of us feel a little out of control, a little worried about what tomorrow may hold. Here's what I would say to you. It's not really about what tomorrow holds. It's much more about who holds tomorrow. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're not worried. We don't know what tomorrow holds. It may be very dark. It may all blow over in a quick minute. But here's what we do know. We know who holds tomorrow. And so even though the mountains give way and our foundations are shaken, we know that God is in control. Heavenly Father, as we end this time around your word, may you be our source. May you not just simply be a, a side item in our lives, but may we instead embrace that you are everything to us. You are the one who sustains us, that physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially, you are meeting our needs constantly. And God, if you've worked in the past in our lives, may we never forget that you're not giving up now. We have not been brought this far by your hand to be deserted and left and abandoned as orphans. No, we claim and understand to be your children. And because of that, we have your promise, which says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We declare you to be our source today. We thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you have been. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you so much for your time. If you're still with us uh, as we end today, we're going to end the way that we always do. So we've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys. Stay safe.